Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts, Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. My name's Ed Mann and today it's a two-man pod. Um, I'm here with Mr. Michael Budd. How are we doing, Michael? I'm good. Michael. I called you Michael in a while. Mixter. You said a while. I don't think you've ever called me that in my I life. I know. You're, you're a real name. You know, you're yeah. born with name. I know. Yeah, it's Mixter, Bud, the Budinator, <laughs> Budasaurus yeah. Rex. There's, there's right. a lot. There's a lot of going. I get called a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> How are we doing, man? <laughs> uh yeah I'm, I'm pretty good actually yeah how about yourself i'm really good yeah it's been, I'm looking forward it's a really weird day it's always good to start yeah. a podcast off with the weather because that's you know but it's a really sure. weird day it's really cold outside but that's it's really sunny, sunny. i know uh-huh. so you go out thinking oh i can wear a t-shirt no you can't <laughs> there we go that is a life lesson there yeah. how, um but no so how's your week been man it's been a, it's been a couple uh, of weeks actually since we last spoke yeah, so obviously i think the last podcast i explained to everyone i was like doing this freelance project and um i kind of due to the nature of the project, decided that I needed something like React. Um, so I, I used React. And uh, yeah, I, I guess for the last four days, I've been really getting to grips with that. And um, a lot of things in that that I kind of think seem really simple, like the the concept of props and state. Uh, while I did, I felt like I understood the concept. Uh, putting it into practice, I just had a bit of a howler, but I do think I'm sort of getting there now and I've managed to make like a, um, kind of like a wireframe, I guess, of my initial sort of app. And, um, yeah, I'm quite happy, really liking it now. Um, but you know me, I go through that process of hating stuff. No, not you, bud, never. Not not me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I hate this. This is the worst thing ever made. Oh, actually, it's quite good. Actually, (laughs) I I really like it now. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got that. I'm really happy with that and I've got my components, but the thing I've got now is just like, I've just got this big, mass of code and it's untidy so i'm going to look at flux on your recommendation so um yeah Yeah, i mean it's interesting you mentioned like a react like thing because actually that brings up a good topic because there are actually alternatives aren't there like the the concepts that react introduced such as the virtual dom yeah um you know have been emulated in i mean i know that when it first hit the kind of the mainstream in 2013 I think early, late 2013, early 2014, there was like an influx. I mean, people do this. They all make their own little libraries that do the same thing, like have, you know, kind of what React does essentially, uh, you know, with the virtual DOM and the differing algorithms and things. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head what other ones there were. Like, but I know, I remember you mentioned you uh, like sending me a link to one. I'll be like, no, just use React. You, you might as well just use React. React is the one to use. Like it's the, it's yeah. obviously it's the tried true. It's what, it's what Facebook use. Um, interesting enough, actually, React's, version i don't think it's actually on version one yet i think this is dot 15 really um, yeah i think i think i'm right in thinking that like what version okay. it is actually on yeah version dot zero 14 at the moment so it's right. on dot zero uh, 15 they're actually yeah. dropping ie8 support which really? i wow. find interesting because i'm then thinking to myself does that mean they're dropping ie8 support at facebook mm-hmm. as well because that's quite you know a yeah. big step i know i know that I think I think the day has passed where a lot of the IE versions. I think Microsoft are only supporting the latest IE version, which is IE eleven now. Yeah, um, yeah. But people are still going to be using it, so you can't. You know, yeah, right. I mean, I yeah. mean, it's weird with Facebook things because they're going to have to deal with things like internet cafe shops. I mean, I think they still exist. You know, things yeah. like that where people don't really update. So it's interesting if they if they're getting rid of IE eight support there in React. Will they be getting it rid of it in Facebook in full stop because some of their functionality obviously won't work, or they have to just have fallbacks? But you know no, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Take all these things so much for granted. Like uh, I can't go into too much detail, but like I was playing on an old uh, IS uh, server the other day, um, remote connection, and just like I needed to move something, and I was like, oh, I'll just I'll just use the you know Dropbox, just the the web version. I was like, obviously, I couldn't use anything because the version of IE on there was so old and just nothing worked. What version that, of it? Do you know what version of Windows it was? Like, did I, you could you have a feeling of what IE? Can't remember. I think it was probably. I think you know what? I think it was eight. I'm pretty sure it was eight. And I think I had the same thing as well when I logged into my Gmail. Like it, it detected that I was using an old browser. And it was like, well, you know, we're going to give you a limited, uh, you know, user experience, which was, I guess, good graceful degradation, but. The uh, the Dropbox one was n- there was no graceful degradation. There was just 
this does not work. So good luck. I think, you know, I mean, this is the trouble. I think higher ups and managers and stuff and project kind of people, product people, yeah. they want it to be sort of run everywhere because that's the idea, yeah. isn't it? It's like we run everywhere. I mean, we're a website. You have to run everywhere. It has to be compatible with everything. But yeah. it's not developmentally physically impossible to do that because of all these things. I mean, I'm, I don't know how much code they're going to be able to get rid of in React, you know, 015 from just yeah. these tweaks and little, but you know, that kind of little quirks and stuff that are in IE8 that they can get, you know, get rid of now. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I know that happened in jQuery, didn't it? With like the one branch. And then when they went to the two branch, they re- removed the IE6 support and things like that. So, I mean, yeah. this code is, is essentially code that's going down the wire. So yeah. you're sending this code no matter what to yeah. the user and every user, and that mounts up, specifically if you're in like a Facebook case. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. I'm really kind of like, I'm happy they're doing that. I'm happy they're yeah. kind of pushing it on. And, and the nice Makes thing with React sense. is it does work pretty much everywhere. Because, and you kind of know it's been tested by a lot of people because obviously Facebook use it among, you know, all the mm. other companies that have taken adopted it. But I'm glad you're enjoying it. And it's interesting. I mentioned, I uh, saw it on your uh, Skype display like <laughs> the thing today, you know, looked at React, now you're on Flux. And have you had a chance <laughs> to look at it this afternoon? I just have one of those days where everything has not happened. I've got my little to-do list and I've ticked off one out of four. So it's not going well, but um, sorry, just massively segueing. But like you just mentioned about jQuery, and uh, I saw on Twitter today that it's now it's ten years old today or something. Uh, yeah. I was like, I think that it was a lot insane. older than that. I, really, it's been, I suppose it's been yeah. around like in our because web years is just it's on yeah. a different continuum, isn't it? Space time continuum on it. Is that even but a I, saying? Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, but I think that's probably about when I started getting into the web. And to two thousand five, yeah, I thought like I was late you know, to the to the ball with jQuery. But, um, but you know, using React, it's funny how you go from thinking, like, oh, jQuery is the bomb, and you just, you know, you have to use it. It's the best way to do things. And then suddenly something else comes along, and you're like, actually, like you say, all those manipulation events to the DOM are not a great idea. Not This isn't jQuery's fault. But, you know, that, I, that idea of using something like that, and then you get something like React with the virtual DOM, and you kind of think, why didn't we think of this sooner? Like, that's, or maybe it has been around for a long time and maybe it's just now catching, you know, getting the popularity it deserves. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't actually know the history of it, to be honest. Um, but I know that once it was introduced, it kind of everyone thought, wow, you know, this is awesome. Um, I think yeah. it's only because the JavaScript VM has been able to be this performant right. um, and things like that, you know, with like yeah. different algorithms and things like that, you know, yeah. that kind of work is definitely the hard bit of it. Yeah. Um, and now obviously we're, you know, I mean, the thing is, and the funny thing with React is obviously it's great in some regards because you're like, now you don't ever have to, you can think in states, you can think, yeah. in, I'm in this state, you don't have to think in transitions, you don't have to think, oh, you know, I can what do I do? You know, how do I get the DOM into this state from this state? Because there's an infinite amount of states, you know, if you've got a finite state machine, this is a nice way of thinking about it as opposed to what the DOM could be because someone could change it, you know. I mean, that, that that's... But, but the trouble we have then is... Mm-hmm. Things that we took for granted, such as adding in like jQuery plugins, and you know, I know you were saying you were yeah. messing around with Google Maps yesterday. Well, yeah, yeah. these things have to be kind of rethought. And also, yeah. the thing is, is also that the DOM becomes a whole different thing, and you do have to kind of follow the React way. And then it becomes yeah. like you know, like animations become a lot harder, and you have to use CSS three a lot for that. And that's yeah. great, but it adds an extra layer. And and also yeah. then another thing is, how do you actually structure an app like this? Because if you go down like the Angular path, which kind of follows the backbone and the very MVC client MVC kind of patterns, um, you know, and still hits the DOM and things like that. There's particularly Angular one. Angular two has more has the diffing algorithm and things like that, but it's not all the way. Um, yeah. There was a couple of really good doc, uh, good blog posts actually. I'll put in the show notes of like kind of different, like having a look at both React and a- Angular two and seeing what the pros and cons of both were. But essentially, kind of like Angular two is still a kitchen stink approach. It provides everything at the box is highly opinionated um but it it, the way that i kind of got thought about it was like it's still treating like it's 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 kind of using html and injecting javascript stuff into it as opposed to what react does which is is fully javascript but it brings in that html components which is like the you know the you know the virtual dom building it the dom up essentially you know you're using jsx because you want to look like you're using html but really you're not you're using these you know react elements which are then can be easily diffed etc but Mm. that's really and then obviously you need flux in the mix so that was what what was really coming up to was you know you need this kind of unidirectional flow because you can get that now 
but you yeah. kind of have to use that now um yeah. you know you can't just kind of break out there's not really an escape hatch of being like now i want to edit the dom you can't edit the yeah. dom and i think that but react is quite nice in that it can be used on a page that has volatile state around it yeah and you just have one bit you know so it can be introduced slowly where you have like okay this is one div in this page that is reactified essentially yeah. so you know you don't have to think about the whole app being that way but once you're in that react world you can't break out of it unless you really want to be you know kind of go on behind react's back and cause yeah. issues sure yeah yeah but no i mean uh, other than that though so have you been up to anything else like you, are you looking uh, at postgres stuff and things like that postgres yeah but um you know really to be honest with you uh a lot of the stuff i'm doing like uh, laravel's doing it for me so i i've not had too much of a learning curve with that i, I need to learn a little bit more to be honest with you and um I certainly do want to look at a few things. I want to look at things like clustering, that kind of stuff. I was looking at... Uh, was do you see, so you feel this project that you're working on is going to have that scale that you're going to have to essentially think of that kind of think, from the off? Well, yeah, definitely I am. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I cool. you know, spoke about it before. But uh, I I mean, I'm, I'm more confident now having read around that, you know, you could have billions of records in a table without actually needing to to do much optimization, uh, you know, providing your, your scheme is pretty good. But but I am still, I just want to make sure I'm a little bit more clued up. Um, you know, and I, I looked at, I can't remember what it, it's not partitioning. The other thing I was looking at where you've got a kind of like, like a child tables and a parent table and, and you can kind of divide it up that way. But from what I read, like really unless unless you kind of have one index that you're going to be searching on, you, you're not going to get that performance improvement that, that that you'd like. It's really only if you've got one kind of index. If you start doing things like, well, searching on dates, you lose that performance. Yeah, I mean, that, it, that is the thing, isn't it? An index is a king, and this is when you love Postgres for because of its index yeah. support, like the advanced indexes. And I know you're saying about like domain sh- uh, like database sharding, table sharding, wasn't it? Like yeah. splitting up tables into That's separate it. tables. But yeah. you do need those aggregates and kind of... of where do I get that data and a single index is needed. So you yeah. have to do a lot of work around that fact. And I know there's so many different types of database. I remember like a couple of years ago reading like the seven databases in seven weeks book. And like yeah. one of them was this com- column, it's like HBase, I think it is, which is essentially just, you know, the idea of these split out columns. Yeah. Multi, you know, like these just masses of columns. I think I'm right yeah. thinking that. But yeah, it's, it's interesting, these different database designs. But Postgres does kind of give you a good like dose of you know relational and it gives you a bit of the unstructured kind of no sequel movement with yeah. you know json objects and things like that and the data types that it has so you're on the right yeah. track with using it i feel definitely yeah i well, know you're thinking think about like heroku and things like that kind of being able to like, right. push Listen off to, to them a great um you know i like the net rocks um you know i don't do net but i love the net rocks um podcast and uh yeah, they had one of the guys from Heroku on there, and um, it sounded really interesting. I don't know the first thing about it, but from, it sounded like you, they could take the the management of the database away from you. And they yeah, could even do like, the, they're a pass, aren't they? A platform as a service, so they can like do, yeah. they deal with like the database side, but they also they manage databases, but they also yeah. deal with like the you know like say you want a PHP application set up sure. and things. Yeah, like, you don't have to worry about the infrastructure. Yeah, you just get, they give you this platform in quotes that you can then use and deploy to. Which is Absolutely. really nice. I, I suppose yeah. it comes as an overhead of like the cost and stuff. I mean, you lose a yeah. little bit of control, but actually you've got to weigh that up between where is my value? Is it in the product that I'm doing or is it within the technologies yes. and the stack that I'm using? Or That's uh, exactly it. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, I have no idea, you know, the income that the client makes from this application. But, you know, for me, like even if it was like a couple of hundred dollars, it's all relative, isn't it? And, Absolutely. You know, what is that? When you think the amount of software developers they have to employ or the, or the rest, it's probably not unreasonable and it takes the stress away from you. So um, it's definitely something I think I will recommend to my client and then, you know, they can choose, can't they? But uh, that's awesome. But yeah. Other than yeah. that, uh, what else? I had a little play with um, HTML5 geolocation, which, uh, like I told you, was scarily just accurate. frightening. Yeah. I mean, literally, I mean, it got my address wrong by one. Like, so how, got my how next do, door neighbors. How, how do you do that? How do you like reverse look up the geo, like the IP geolocation? Is it IP? No, it's not IP based. It's actually sorry, geolocation. So how do that's you, right. Yeah, you know, it's, it? it's dead simple. Like, a, I, I think literally the uh, you just get like geolocation dot location or something in, in JavaScript, and it will come up with all the details. And then you could use something like um, you know Google's API. Then if you want, to then go and get more details. But uh, I, I just used mine and it just gave me the longitude and latitude and I just, you know, Chrome's so good, you can just 
put the longitude latitude in the uh, URL bar. Ah, it just came up with my address, right. basically. Yeah, because I know I that you can way. have your own offline, you know, kind of geo. Yeah. Like, you know, you can use geo spatial or whatever these things. Oh, I, know that, right. yeah. I know that Postgres has really good support for, for like geolocation um, oh. and searching based on that. And you can get like big databases that have this information. But yeah. it depends. Again, like if you want, I mean, you know, you're better off if, in something like that where if you've got, if you don't need the geolocation right there and then, you can yeah. always go off and query Google google for it i know that google yeah, exactly, apis yeah. like map apis now have limits on them unless you want to pay for them um, yeah but they're pretty good aren't they i think they're like a couple of hundred a oh day yeah or something, definitely yeah so, so you can you can definitely like balance it out yeah that's it but yeah that is that is impressive um technology really which i've known has been around for a while but you know it's just one of those things if you don't need to use it you don't really use it do you so uh well it's, um, it's when you need to have the need isn't it i mean it's a similar thing yeah. with like react as well it's like when you actually have the need for it um, yeah and you know you want to learn it and then you're like yeah. well no sorry but when you had the need for it then you need you end up learning it and then you're like oh yeah. this is really cool and stuff like that and you can apply it in other areas that's it and the only other thing i played with was um seeds in laravel just like with your migrations and stuff so you hit refresh and you can start off with all your data there which is you know quite nice. so is it static data then that you made or have you made like general because i know you can use like faker and things like that that can generate random data for you Oh, yeah, I've just used static data, yeah, stuff. To be honest with you, it's just literally reading it in from, like, a text file. But the, the beauty of it is that you can you can implement it however you want. It's just, you you know, you put your, your C files in there, and then whenever the migration runs, it. I think there's, like, a run command or something, and then you just put all your code in there, and it'll just do it for you. So That, um, like, that does save a lot of overhead. It's one of those yeah. like, things where you think, well, that, yeah, that, that's simple enough, but you're like, yeah. ev- how many times do you need to do that? You know, and it's so oh. nice having a clean instance and, you know, if, you, if you're going to work yeah. in it with other people, give it to them. And I think I yeah. think that's where, you know, sharing databases between development and stuff can yeah. be a bit of a pain because, you know, the database is very reliant on the fact of what version you have, um, you know, with the, of the actual application as well. So kind of shipping them together. So how, how do you do that? Do you have like a, a vagrant file? Oh, I was just going to say to you, that is a great topic because I actually started looking at, at like syncing databases and because obviously like I've got this great um, environment where I'm using Homestead and I can just, you know, uh, when I finish doing my session on my iMac, just push it up to Git, uh, Bitbucket I use, and then I go on my MacBook, pull it down and I'm away. I've got my Homestead environment there. As perfect, apart from my database syncing, and I really don't know what the best solution for that is. I mean, yeah, seeds are are good, but have you got the mic? So you got the migrations, then you've got yeah. the seeds, and yeah. essentially you need kind of because Homestead, I guess he's supplied like Taylor's like supplied that out of the box, like PHP, yeah, yeah. like Apache or Nginx, whatever. But and maybe my SQL, I guess he's probably leaned more towards than Postgres. Uh, it's all like... on there as well. Yeah, you, oh, it's all on there. you can just literally get your config file see which uh you know what you want to use uh, and they're all there ready waiting for you so um yeah so that's really cool but in terms of the actual stored data stored content, da- yeah, yeah. That, i suppose yeah that that's true actually because you may be working on something and it's not seed related at that time like Correct, yeah. yeah yeah that that yeah that isn't hard i mean so i did google that but i couldn't really find an awful lot on that. other than so, you're going to use dumps and things like that where you yeah, dump it out and exactly stuff, which does seem a little messy i mean exactly. You know, it's it's not like you're using it for tests because tests, obviously, you can, you know, if you're doing sufficient abstractions and things like that, you can kind of get away yeah. from having to hit the data store. But eventually you will have to hit a data store, but hopefully it won't be yeah. something that, you know, kind of, you know, com- complicated, mm-hmm. you know, the pits in between the unit tests can do deal with that. But yeah. no, it is interesting that actually. And, and that's where it does win out a bit because then you can say, okay... I've got this single data store that I can now go to because your example is quite good. You know, having the iMac, then you have the MacBook, um, yeah. and you want to go between. But I want pretty much exactly what's on my iMac at that time, as opposed yes, to I want exactly. the snapshot. So that no, that's an interesting one. Definitely keep us like in tune. What you're going to do there, like syncing stuff or sharing a database between builds, maybe like between yeah. you know, which it can get a get me- a bit messy. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, if I find any like good solutions, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. But anyway, enough about me ranting about my ridiculous life. What about uh, <laughs> what about you? What have you been up to? Absolutely nothing. nothing. No, uh, that would be really, really boring, wouldn't it? Uh, no. So first things first is I finally rebuilt my MacBook Pro. Oh, yeah. Finally. It's been a year or so, kind of, you know, slowly chugging along. Uh, and I eventually yeah. decided, no, enough was enough. I need to just clean install. 
Um, so do you I, know what the main uh, reason for like the, the slowdown was? Was it just? It just is. I think computers do just fundamentally they yeah. get slower. Like you know, it's code it, it all junk. just eats away and stuff. Junk kind of yeah. you know mounts up. Um, yeah. You know, I am one of these bad people who will install a program and just leave it there. And if I don't, you, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you'll try yeah. something out for a day. Oh, you don't realize it. You may you know you may have a problem that you then find a couple of applications for. You use it for yeah. a bit and then you get rid of it and you don't clean up after yourself. So you know, I think it's good every so often to do this. But I mean, the mm. saviors for me with dropbox obviously because i could it was all on you know pretty much all my data was on there uh yeah. github obviously because github was great because all my projects are on there yeah. um but then actually kind of what helped me a lot means i did a clean install so with the mac stuff what you have to do is you have to download the actual file from the app store yeah. Um, so you download, like, say, the new Alcatraz. Well, finally, I get the new El Capitan, um, you know, because I was just on Yosemite. I was like, I can't be bothered. To- oh, no, I was on Mountain Lion, one of them, but I couldn't be bothered. Um, yeah. But then I finally did that, and then it's like, okay, so, but then you have to use something like a disk maker, and you have to, like, make it, not a disk, but, an, you know, like, but pretty essentially copy it to a USB pen, where yeah. I can then boot off and do a clean, clean install, because that's what I want. I want the whole hard drive wiped and start yeah. again, um, which was a lot easier, kind of, in, I mean, it was a lot easier in the CD days, because you had that CD all yeah. done now you have to set up up beforehand but it was all good and then you know it went fine it was great um and then yeah. a couple of really good tools that helped me a lot were obviously brew brew is amazing homebrew we all love homebrew because you know yeah. just setting up that was great at the after it um and there was something called cask or cask room so casks mm. or cask i think it's cask um essentially it's kind of the a layer on top of brew so you know homebrew deals with the command line stuff yeah cask will actually install applications like google chrome from the command line Oh wow! So I was there, just you know, searching through, saying, "Oh, I need Google Chrome, I need PHP Storm, I need Audio Hijack, I need you know X Y Z," and it was just installing for me. And, and it worked fine. It worked fine, all of them, because it does wow. it in a really nice way. It's simple and it's great. I mean, people keep these things up to date, which is awesome. And another one actually was like, I like using the Deja Vu Sans font. Um, it's yeah. from Google, um, and then there's a Homebrew fonts uh, cask as well, and you can just use that and download the. I want these fonts, please. That's and it's cool. just also i mean probably took me about fifth about half hour to fully set up my machine um and that automation is just great for kind of getting it set up and then yeah. i mean i won't go like kind of forget about windows because i know that when i was back running just a straight windows machine and also dealing with like family members and stuff who still are on the windows boxes yeah. um i use something called nite um, I'll put that in the show right. notes as well. And that's essentially kind of you, you, it's like a click, it's like a website where you can click like, oh, I want this, 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 this. And then it will package up an XE for you, which downloads them and installs them for you automatically. Yep. But it does it without all the malware, all the, you know, it, it clicks the right screens essentially. So it's, it's so much easier. In fact, sometimes when someone wants something, I'll actually send them a version that is just maybe even that program just packaged up in an end night because I know it's going to be easier and simpler for them to download and install yeah. as opposed to because the amount of, you know, Windows screens, you know, wizard screens, they just come up with all this crap and then they're so sneaky with the way that they're like, oh, you have to click this if you do not want, you know, and things like that. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure yeah. the legality in there is a bit, you know, a bit bit weird so but you know i mean that's great and it was easy to do and now it's running speedy so I'll, i'm sure in a year's time I'll, I'll explain again that i had to install you know the next version <laughs> of mac for a clean build but i know yeah. that you haven't you haven't done that in, in a while have you well we were talking the reason, about like, is, to be honest i kind of imagine it would probably take me a whole weekend because everything will go wrong so like hearing <laughs> your story sounds really good but I don't really have your IQ, and for me, it would just—it would be a nightmare. You're such a pessimist, man. You're such a in. pessimist. I know, but it would happen. So, <laughs> and then you get a phone call from me in tears, basically. <laughs> well, so you're thinking not... about guess, uh, getting an SSD, aren't you? Like you're looking at yeah. um, external. Because I was thinking that when you said S- external SSD, I was like, mm, you know, it's like really, I don't know whether you know, because you'd have to have the right connection essentially. But yeah, that, I mean, because Thunderbolt. I'm right in thinking Thunderbolt is pretty damn speedy. Like, I don't know whether it's yeah. SATA kind of speeds or whatever. I mean, I'm not too up on the hardware side. But, you know, if it's yeah. quick enough, and people were saying, like, you know, like on the Mac like forums and stuff, that it's pretty good. So are, are you looking into that? Are you still looking at external? Or are you going to go and, like, try and yeah, hack, still a, looking hack at open it. your I iMac? Mean, to be honest, yeah, I'm looking at it because certainly, like, I'm sure most freelancers will um, agree that, like, your downtime like uh like when you're working for a company and things go wrong your, your computer crashes or whatever it's not so bad like other than you maybe your boss saying oh why is this work not done but but when like this is your sole income and stuff and 
you know, you know everything depends on the work you get done, then suddenly speed becomes a huge thing. And like, like Sublime just crashed on me, and I had to restart my Mac, and that restart process took me five minutes. I mean, you might think, oh, it's five minutes, but if you have to do that a couple of times a day, it mounts all these kinds of it? it really, really does, yeah. And you know, time is money at the end of the day. So yeah, I am looking at that. If I can get um, an improvement, um, then I'll definitely do it. Yeah, but like you say. I just worried that it will get this SSD and, and because it's an external device and that connection, well, I'll just lose the, the performance uh, improvement. So I guess it's kind of like buying a Porsche and putting a Fiesta XR2 engine inside it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, I need to look a little bit more into it. But I mean, I think, was it like £200-ish? Yeah, around that, Mark, wasn't it, I think? And it was like four, was it like 300 400 for an internal? Because you, yeah. I mean, obviously you could do it yourself if you wanted to, but... I'd just be terrified. Yeah, I, looking at like they, like the they'll, I, I fix it or whatever. I fix it up. You video, YouTube videos. Yeah, it's a bit scary. Well, the videos always make it look easy, but they've done it so many times, exactly. and they are trained in the art of opening up these things that really have been designed not to be opened up. I mean, that yes. that's now what's the thing is. You know, it used to be hardware used to be t- for tinkering and things like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, Max people—they don't want you to open them up, so they make it a lot harder <laughs> with glue and things like this. So, yeah, yeah, what a pain. They make it yes. horrible. So if you did want to do it, it's all nine impossible. Else you're going to break it. So you better just get someone else to do it. Well, that's what I thought you were for. So oh, I yeah, man, yeah. So I can risk, around. you know, yeah, our friendship Obviously, on a uh, you would be liable if anything went wrong. And I yeah, just, well, this is it. I signed it. I signed it off. You know, you get my MacBook <laughs> Pro, and you know, yeah, I'll have to buy works. you a new iMac. Would probably be the, be the uh, you know, yeah. the terms. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's... man. But, so um, you said you had something to talk about, right? Well, yeah, I do. I do. But before that, actually, yeah. I'd like to... So you actually uh, retweeted it and liked it this morning. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. I, I've been kind of on the blogging train or posting train yeah. the uh, last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. I've done one almost once a day during the wow. weekdays, which is quite rare that for me. Um, yeah. I've just kind of had this thing where I'm like... Because sometimes, like, you know, throughout the days, you know, typically you will find something and be like, oh, that's quite interesting. But yeah. now I'm just like, well, no, I'm going to write it. And I just spend maybe five, ten minutes just documenting it and releasing yeah. it and not thinking of it. Because my problem is I overthink things and then it becomes like, oh, I'm never going to release that. Or it has to be perfect and then it just drains me. This time I'm kind of trying yeah. to balance it out between it's good enough to go and that's fine, you know. So it's been really interesting. And one of the things was actually, so my friend Kayvan, um, he he recently tweet, uh, tweeted a gist of... Uh, well, syntactic sugar or special closure has this idea of special forms, and one of its special forms is a let. Um, right. And he's reading the uh, structure inter- uh, the SIP book, which is the structure interpretation computer program book at the moment. And he was he, he tweeted out saying, "Well, a let can actually just be essentially in quote syntactic sugar around anonymous functions or a lambda called executed within it, it's like a self executing lambda." Yeah. Um, and I thought this was awesome because this is again where Lisp wins out and is amazing because it's like these fundamental cl- like small lambda calculus kind of ideas yeah um, can just be composed you know kind of use these fundamentals to build up the uh, uh, like this amazing language I mean one thing about Clojure which is great is like pretty much all of its stuff that you use like cons and all these kind of higher higherish level but core kind of functionality of the Clojure lang- of the Clojure li- uh, language and library are all macros that are written in closure so it's closure written in closure you'll use you know to, so it's amazing um okay and i still don't know why and i, I want to look into this as something for today that like i wanted to kind of have a little look into is why let is a special form because special forms are like these magic where it does magic because a lot of like what c does and things like that they all do magic whereas like yeah. a lisp typically it's data wait so what, what, what's the thing so i've been reading up on the macro stuff on closure and that the saying is data is code code is data and essentially, you know, you're coding. So the code that you write is actually a data. So you can treat it as data. Um, but also the data that you write can be treated as code. And that's where macros come from. And all I did was, so I just made this simple macro transformation. So it's a macro that just transforms from a looking like it is a let or it's a let, so I named it. And it transforms it into this like self-invoking lambda. And it's really awesome and really fun to do, actually. And I'm really enjoying the Joy Closure book. Um, yeah. And I'm really enjoying Lisp. And kind of Lisp is so simple, but so powerful. And you wouldn't yeah. think that it could work this way. Like, you could see, because, I mean, when, um, I think it's John, I'm going to forget his name. John McCartney, I think it is. Um, he, when he wrote, like, when he thought up Lisp in, like, the 60s, he was thinking of AI. 
and right. you can see it because AI stuff like co like it is essentially programs writing programs. Right. And the way that Glisp is made is you can do that with macros and these things in a very simple way. You can you've got to think of them not as the C macros, which are very kind of very simple compared to what you, the advanced stuff that you can get away with in Lisp. Um, yeah. So yeah, but that that's on a tangent. But yeah, so a blog post I've been doing is really fun. Um, and another thing that I've been doing is. Um, javascript stuff kind of looking into that and one thing i did want to mention actually to you uh mickey is a library called immutable js um and i know because on, on your react adventures now and you'll be looking at flux you will yeah. be introduced to immutable js um and it takes so essentially immutable js is immutable data structures um immutable data structures are data structures that when you change them it doesn't affect what's already there the reference what's already there it yeah. just creates a new reference so yeah. it's shared but it but they're they're shared in in essence that they save you know so you'd only change what you need to change and yeah. it can rely on the fact that it's sharing so it's not like a dupe so it's not like i'm cloning the whole array every time and i'm giving a brand new array it's just shared pretty much so um immutable js uses the um bitwise closures um hash map that was used in closure as long as long with scala um and it's amazing like it's a really good library for javascript really performant um, and it provides all these these the benefits of immutability which is i know something's changed and that's one thing with react which you really need to know like redux uses this a lot and also uh, map stores um with flux because uh, like we, we, within um facebook there's the flux which is the dispatcher and things like that but there's also a couple of little helpers which are like the fl- like the store you'll typically have like a store that's kind of similar all stores will be kind of similar and have follow a same a similar pattern and then you yeah. use something like the map store um which is very similar to what redux does and the way that it works out if if say like something's changed within this store it's just as if the pointers you know like it just does a pointer like check it's like oh is it the same data you're pointing to oh no you're not because of mutability because it changes the pointer it's like oh no something's changed then as opposed to having to do these deep nested checks yeah which takes so long um, but yeah, so immutability, immutable uh, JS is awesome, and the library itself has got some great things like update ins and things like that. Like I, I when I first started using it, I was very apprehensive of kind of taking full advantage of all of it because I was a bit like, oh, I don't really get this, and it can be a little horrible. Like looking at the outputs and things, you have to remember to like to do two JS and things like that because the outputs are essentially what the data structure is. Like if you console log something out, um, like a record of it or something, it essentially is just the structure that you know it's internally stored at it doesn't provide any nice pretty printing unless you do like .js and you can get like a format you expect out um, right. but like update in and delete in and you can do these advanced nested things and it really cleans up your stores i found um whereas i was doing a lot of weird stuff i can now kind of really succinctly and declaratively in like a very functional quote way uh, yeah. build up and like transform these data structures and stores um and that's about it really um about like okay. things i've been doing um yeah. just reminded me i that's where i got burnt with react was um was using a map uh iterating through that yep. the map and i was trying to call this and then I, it wasn't working and i suddenly realized well this is now kind of in the scope of that map yes so i got burned that way but then i realized you could pass a second parameter uh so you put this after the the map function and and then you're you're pointing to the right this yeah it, binding sense. binding yeah. this is such a, i mean it's a funny one where you've got something called like console.log i don't know if yeah. you've seen this before so if you try and do i don't know i think chrome fixes it automatically for you or, or right. at least jsbin does if you do console.log and you yeah. buy and you assign that to like a just const log i, I want to make console.log now just log you know because right. it's nicer to do that or you pass it in as something you want you know when they yeah. pass, you know, it doesn't work and it says sorry can't do that because it doesn't you know it can't find it and it makes no sense You're like well, yeah. hang on no but it's log it's the log function yeah um but it's actually just simple like kind of the basic javascript premise that mm. it's console.log so it's saying this like it, i can't remember the exact thing but essentially console is you know like this this the this then is bound to the object that calls it so console.log means i want to call the log function and because i'm calling console dot it's the console that becomes this for it like yeah. implicitly 
So yeah, yeah. on normal times, like you know, say like in the you know kind of our JavaScript like Java ish looking code, you know, you'll do like new user user dot get name. Well, user dot get name means yeah, use the get get name function that's on the prototype. But the this is the user that I'm currently at, which is fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you can do some stuff like to to get around, and this is where I've seen it quite a lot. Is you do console dot log dot bind, and then you bind console. Yeah, which looks yeah. weird. But essentially, yeah. all that's doing is it's saying, "Give me the log function of console, so the object dot log function, yeah, and then bind it to console, meaning I really want the this of this to be console. And yeah. then when you pass that pass that around, it just will use that as its bound. It will not. It it can't be overwritten. Yeah, um, and it's a really weird one. Like I was looking at that like last week actually, and it, it, it stumped me out a bit because I'm just like, and this is the thing with JavaScript. Thinking in JavaScript still confused me, and I still yeah. have to go back to like the fundamentals of it and kind of looking at the basic rules of how things work because it has to make sense. Like everything makes yeah. sense, but it is like working out yeah. why things happen. Yeah, I remember like I think when I was struggling in the week, like you said to me, you said stop trying to look at React in a very OO kind of way. Um, I can't remember what the context was, but it was kind of a bit of a, a realization moment for me. I mean, you know, definitely there's concepts there, but like if you think about it too rigidly, like that, I think that's part of the reason I was getting confused. But yeah, I think I think it kind of with JavaScript now bringing class syntactic sugar into the mix. I think yeah. that may have been a mistake. Yeah, um, because it's still a prototypical language. But all, but you can do because it's very flexible. Yes, you can do stuff that looks very class orientated. Yeah. But it's not a class based language. Yeah. So you're going to get burnt by these things like the dot this and stuff like that and passing yeah. around. I mean, it's so powerful the fact that you can say what. I mean, you can do it in PHP with closures. You know, you can say now bind to and then pass whatever, and you can say that this is this. You know, whatever it is yeah. now. Yeah. Um, that's great. But yeah, it, it, I think that's maybe a bit of a problem now because and also. Another thing with React, and it was an interesting one in that in that uh, blog post that I, I read about Angular and React, is that Angular two stuff now is all written in TypeScript. Like all the documentation, all the examples of TypeScript. That's great. Yeah. You know, it's like kind of giving you a base of like, look, this is you know we're using TypeScript and stuff. You know, blah blah blah. With React, because it's been around for a couple of years now, you've got ES you know uh, five stuff which yeah. is, you know, the bog standard, you'll see like react.create class and yeah. all of the, what you've had, I think you've sit, you must've seen them actually, where you pass yeah. an on change and you have to bind dot this to it and things like yeah. that, because you can't, you know, be sure that when it's calling it, that it's calling with this, you know, when you want to reference something within that object, um, you know, and then you get the 2000 ES 2016 examples, which is, you know, the ES6 stuff and it, and then you see the JSX stuff um, and it, it can get a little bit bewildering. And I think, you know, the, the, the way that Angular have done it is that, look, this is exactly how we're doing it. Whereas yeah. React is kind of like the Unix approach where it's like, we have all these bits, you know, and you compose them together how you want. You've got React, but then you need a router. I kind of need to find React router or, you know, there's like a host of different choices, yeah. um, which is great because it gives you that flexibility. But out of the box at the start, it can be very intimidating. And specifically with like the Flux stuff, specifically with that, because, you know, that stuff's like very, you know, there's so many different implementations. And that's why I would say stick to the Facebook one first yeah. and then look at Redux and things like that, because, you know, I mean, I, I may be proved, like, people may tell me wrong, you know, but I feel do that and have a look and play around with it and see what you like. Do you think there's, like, uh, Angular 2 and um, React is going to be like a VHS versus Beta Max, or do you think there's plenty of room uh, and people will just use I one think, or the other? I think it's funny, actually, because a lot of the tweets around the new year in the yeah. JavaScript world, because I've now started kind of paying more attention, but a lot of them from, like, the big names were, or, like, three quite high players were you know let's let's learn from the community you know everyone can learn from angular everyone can learn from react and everyone can learn from all these different technologies yeah um you know and i i think that's a really good you know healthy way to be you know it's like every technology has got something you can learn from every language has got something you can learn you know yeah. you can't be too big-headed thinking that's the wrong way um you know and and but it's it's how your mind works. Like you know, like the closure community and closure script. Like they they love React because that that allowed them to use their their functional you know immutable kind of declarative ways of you know doing things and let them do that you know because it React allowed that because it was very functional. And if you like that approach to that functional approach, then it's great. But you know if you don't like that and you like this kind of commonplace you know the MVC patterns and things, it's not for you. Yeah, um, yeah. you have to think very differently when you do the flux stuff and with the React yeah. stuff and. 
and it is hard like you know i, I said yeah. to you like it is hard but it it's is. also easy once you've learned it because it makes sense like completely it's, agree it's a very yeah. simple pattern but it's yeah. very hard because of i think because of how tight ty- we are preconditioned to thinking a certain it. way as soon as you change that that's where it becomes exactly, hard but yeah. like you say once you've learned it it is easy and, and uh, it's well, like makes so sense because you, and you realize that flux and react can't live without each other really because you can yeah. use react but you can't use it to any extent without using something like flux which is this unidirectional thing and yeah. you can't use flux without react because you you couldn't have this idea of just changing something you know you would have to know what to change so yeah you yeah. know it's it's awesome it really is and i'm glad you're enjoying it yeah, well, I'll probably be moaning about flux this time next week, and then the week after I'll be like, I love flux. <laughs> but um, yeah, at the end of the day, I you know I love learning. As much as I moan about it, um, well, it's great know. that you get to do it on this project now. You know, yeah, and like, true. I mean, yeah. how are you finding? Because I, I think this would get me like, you, mm. you're kind of having to learn on the job, or yeah. are you spending time learning? Like, are you like just saying, all right, I'm gonna have a couple of hours learning it now? get on with some other stuff or is it a kind of oh i need to learn this now because i'm doing this part of the project now if that makes yeah sense. that's a good question i kind of a little bit of both like um because i'm really lazy and i hate getting out of bed like i'll probably spend like half an hour an hour reading like in the mornings and and same again at night and obviously i'll try and fit that around like looking after toby and stuff but and now uh, the new dog as well obviously and the dog yeah she, so, she's been really quiet which is good yeah yeah she's been good as gold actually but um yeah, so a little bit of both, and and then obviously things come up, and you're like, oh, I don't know how to do that, and then you have to go and learn, and um, you know, like the Google Maps things, a prime example of that the other day. But um, yeah, just I kind of, I guess I looked at the projects, looked at the problems, and I tried to think what the best technologies were to solve those problems, rather than oh, I know jQuery pretty well, I can do this. I just I've tried to use what I think is the best technology to fit the the problem. So. Time will tell if I've got that right or wrong, but um, yeah, I, I certainly I'm really liking React at the minute. I can see how, especially if I start using WebSockets, um, how that that could work, you know, fantastically well. I like the idea of results updating, you know, just as I when think they that's come the in. thing. I think when the store changes, everything changes around that. Yeah, it's so cool because it, Very it cool. allows you your mind, your cognitive overhead just lowers because you can start yeah. thinking about one thing. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, and testing it's so easy because I mean this was actually one thing. Sorry, complete mm. like tangent, but about all the flux stuff. And so recently um, on at my builder, we released. Well, I released this very simple. I mean, it was always on the cards to do it, and we've got this new tradesman like trade like approval service where they can answer questions and stuff. And and one of the things was that we wanted to be able to kind of record essentially their question answers to see how they did it. If did they do any copy paste and things like that? You know, anything you know, checking how they got to these answers. Um, nothing yeah. weird. Not just trying to stalk. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're like okay well how can we do this well it's like it was the easiest thing to do with react because yeah. react deals with state change and yeah essentially what we do is we just I, I i mean essentially what i do is i have like on changes on the pace and on changes on the change of the value within the box and i just store those event, events in, yeah. a, in a like data structure and i send it off with it and then yeah. we can replay them really easily I'm, I'm, that's one blog post actually i want to do um yeah. you know how simple it was and it kind of fundamentally i mean that was no flux at all you know that it can you can just think of as react but something yeah. like that where you know you think it would be such a hard thing to do in a commonplace way because of the way that the you know comments are common you know kind of the common adage of how we usually treated you know our javascript mvc patterns etc like that with this it's very different and you don't rely on the dom and you're relying on this event you know store and i think you can take out the dom i think that's another thing i like now is we don't think of the dom like I don't like thinking of the DOM. I like thinking of these, you know, this, you know, this data structure that I've got in front of me and then it translates it to the DOM and it could be any DOM. It could be the, you know, Firefox's DOM. It could be IE's DOM. It could be Chrome's DOM. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. I I completely agree. Like I say, like when you start using React, you start realizing the way you were doing things suddenly seems really prehistoric and you think like, wow, that's, that's not a nice way of doing it. But um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I was, I was going to say like the, so um, the other topic that I wanted to bring up and yeah. you were kind of leading on to it and then I completely did a divergent, which <laughs> yeah. is typical me um, is and it's something I actually I got into yesterday. Um, it's Zen. It's the zone or as psychology right. peeps call it the flow. Um, right. I'm just wondering like. I thought it would be a really good topic. It's a shame that, like, you know, Luke couldn't make it on today or Fraser and like I was have more of a discussion, but yeah. we will do. We can do this. Uh, you know, I thought, <laughs> I thought, have you like, 
the flow and like Zen and the zone and all these names for it, essentially yeah. being in the programming zone and everyone explains, you know, oh, don't, you know, don't like disturb a programmer when they're in yeah. the zone or yeah. when they've got the headphones on or when they're coding. I'm just wondering, like, what do you think about it? Do you, do you believe in it? Do you think it's a thing or do you think it's all just made up? Or And what's your kind of take I, on it? I absolutely agree about it. I'm not in the sense that I think it's some sort of spiritual thing. But well, this I just is it, think... some people take it, you know, like they're like, oh, I want to get into the flow again. Like it's almost like this spiritual high that, that you can get into that allows you just to program on a different level or something yeah. like that. You know? It's a very <laughs> strange thing. Right. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I mean, I'm very interested in like... Um, uh, like hypnotism, Paul McKenna, Darren Brown, those kind of people. And at the end of the day, the brain is a computer. So, you know, the way you, you treat it, the environment you put it in is going to, you know, affect the outcome. And, and I'm definitely, I mean, the thing I enjoy about freelance is that I can work the hours where I feel like I naturally want to work rather than, oh, you know, man was made to work between nine and five. He will have one hour lunch at this time. And then to me, that's a very old fashioned way of working. And it's, it's not, not good. that productive. No, exactly, and especially if you're uh, if you've got family as well. Like for me, it, I want to spend time with Toby at dinner time, and I want to see my wife. Want to ask her what she, how her day was, etc. I'm so romantic. So <laughs> to do that, have that quality time, and then go and do some work for three four hours. I love that. And at night time, when he's asleep, when Abby's gone to sleep, no distraction. Just get on and do it. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely. I agree. I mean, how about you? No, I, I do. I, and I think, but it's funny because I started looking into it. I randomly thought of it today. I thought, you know, like, because I knew we were going to do a podcast and I thought, well, it'd be interesting to talk about this because you do feel it. You know, I, I, I said to uh, Amy yesterday evening, I thought, I said, I had a really productive day today. I was in the zone all day, pretty much. You know, I was yeah. able just to get on with stuff. And, and sure. it was interesting because there was a discussion and I can't remember who I had it with, um, but a while ago. And it immediately came to my head where I'm like, the zone's good. You know, I thought, oh, it's amazing being in the zone. And, and then I remember him saying, I can't remember who it was, but he said, the zone, people think it's bad. And I'm like, <laughs> why? You know, like, but it's because the, cause you're in the zone, you're, you're more likely to, well, obviously you're blocking out everything else. So maybe you're not taking things in that you should, like you're just kind of steaming ahead. Maybe you're on a project and you're just like, I'm in the zone and I did all this work. Oh, yeah. it was all in the wrong direction. You know, yeah. like you need to touch base. Like some people purposely don't get in the zone. So yeah. that they touch base, so they stay in the real world, essentially, on things. And it's interesting that, because I was thinking, I love being in the zone, but maybe I shouldn't, you know, like, you have to bear that in mind. Like, you shan't just essentially go off in the, into the zone, into wander off. And it, I think it's just being more reactive, like, it is being respect, like, reactive and respective of what's going on th- at that time. Yeah, and I think, you you know, you're pre-working in an office where they're not all developers, it might be a camera, just whatever. And I certainly had it with an ex-boss where... Uh, that person had to suddenly do some coding, hadn't done it for a while, and then was shocked, like how their performance yep. suffered because she, that person was getting interrupted, and um, and I was like, yeah, thank you, I'm glad you realised, and it is like, Absolutely. I mean, the mental model, I mean, it takes a while to get into the zone in yeah. quotes, you know, the flow, and it's like the mental model and the system in your head that you're currently you've got in that in your brain. I mean, yeah. once you've got that there, though, it only takes a phone call or someone who an unplanned like tap on the shoulder for someone just it alters to go and you've lost it for the whole day and it's like gone and it is amazing how it is so very fragile (laughs) yeah i completely agree and i think a lot depends on the code base like if you've got a very well structured project where you're like well where's this code well it's an asset so i'm gonna go test you know where things are and that that can really help but if you're working on some legacy code where it's just like everything's just all over the place, includes if it includes if it includes. I mean, yeah, that's, oh. that's interesting because I find that I don't really get into the zone much or the flow when I'm bug fixing. It's yeah. more when I'm creating new things Absolutely. or rewriting yeah. something or that kind of thing where you've got yeah. that kind of imagination where you're building. It's like you're having to construct it in your head before you put it down yeah. on paper as Completely. opposed to, you know, in a bug, you're essentially looking through the forest and, and looking for all the stuff. That's where I move away from the TD um sort of workflow in, in a sense is because sometimes when i'm writing code i am in the zone i just want to pump out as much as i can and then i'll go back and have a look to see if there's any problems with it i think that that is the i mean people i i think with the tdd stuff it is interesting there because people would say well you should write a test first obviously yeah. and then yeah. you can do it and it's true like it, it, it always i always kind of then i agree with it i definitely yeah. do and i yeah. don't do it enough and Same. i think that's where everyone comes from you know yeah. like they say they don't do it enough um, yeah. but i always ask i always think to myself should i do it in a prototype yeah and i'm like do i you know like 
do, is it okay for me you know i have a question that's really a question i'd love to ask someone it's like mm-hmm. do you do it in prototyping like you know would you say i uh, say i've got a, a proof of concept and i want to just you know see if this works you know and like okay it worked okay can i go back now and write this in a you know in a refactor it should i refactor that or with tests or is it better for me then to go in and say okay let's start again with the premise that i already know in my head that it's possible because i always think that like you know because a lot of the times when i'm doing something that's new I yeah. like just testing to see if it's actually possible first. Like I spent yeah. like a day yeah. this week essentially just hacking together something to see yeah. if it was, was the boundaries there. Where, where, where I, was I able to get there? Completely you know? agree. And um, why would you test that? I mean, well, this no, is it. I mean, no I wouldn't even know what to start with because yeah. I was just in this like zone of hacking around stuff. But maybe that is me. And, they, and that's something maybe I should look into kind of, you know, like research because it is an interesting one where, you know, if you've got kind of a plan set out already, TDD yeah. and that's really useful and really good. But when you yeah. don't know where you're going, yeah. um, you know, it can get really, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I could do it or maybe I need to practice it. And I think that's because I know that Lou's been doing a lot of some TDD this week and he's really enjoying it. I'm really it's glad. Making me him. feel guilty. I don't <laughs> <laughs> do we're technically we need, working with him at the moment. So, you know. Yeah, true. Do you know who we need? Who do we need? Uncle Bob. We Uncle Bob. Well, we could try and get Uncle Bob we, on. We tried. We pursued him, right? Um, and he he said yes. Actually, he did email back yes. But I need to pursue him more. Actually, so yeah. I, I I will email him after this podcast. I will email him and see. Yeah, um, of all the podcast requests he probably gets, three yeah. doesn't maybe be the one he does. He's got to, eh? <sighs> Top of his list, I imagine. <laughs> Top. Oh, I'm sure man. he's heard of us. I'm oh, sure. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But no, I, I, I mean, one other thing actually with the, this flow thing is like. How do you typically work best? Like, I know I work best. Like, it's funny, actually. So I've got a couple of modes. Like, one is silence. Like, yeah. sometimes I just need full-on silence, and I'll pause music, I'll pause anything that's going on, and I'll just do silence for, like, half hour, an hour. Yeah. Then I'll go into a mode of, oh, I really want to listen to some music. You know, that gets me yeah. up and gets me kind of in a, in, in a mode, like, of working. Yeah. Or I may even watch a TV show on the other screen. You know, oh. like, I'll, well, this is it. Like, I may just watch, it, you know, some crappy TV show just because, like, I'm, I'm in the zone still, but yeah. I'm able just to kind of have that and it's just in the background. And I don't know, like, how do you do it? Do you have to be silent all the time? Do you have different modes? That's like, different really of- interesting you say that because, like, the silence thing would kill me. I have to have, um, I have, to have music. Uh, but a TV show would also kill my concentration. That's, I wish I, mean, I, I could. Podcasts and things because I like sometimes. I, but yeah. it's only sometimes though. Sometimes I can listen to a podcast while working and it's fine. Other times, no, not a chance because it does distract me too much. Uh, and I can listen to a podcast, but the podcast doesn't go in properly. So it's like, uh, yeah, I can't win really. Yeah, but, it has to be. It has to be kind of like very high level kind of stuff, yeah. you know. Do you know what? I think it'd be really interesting. I'm sure there are reports out there, but I I imagine if you were to really dig into it, you'd probably find that people are only really in the zone maybe six hours in a week. I yeah, bet it's I think it, you're probably right, actually. like I, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I can't think I, I'm ever in the zone more than an hour a day on average. No, if that I agree. You know, I'm where so. where I'm actually, you know, able just to get on with stuff in that kind of, in that environment. And I, and I do think the zone is only beneficial to some sort of work. You know, like constructing something new, building something, learning something, yeah. as opposed to, say, bug fixing, which maybe isn't the case. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. And I think that's, you know, that is just, you know, human nature, isn't it? I, I think, you know, I remember hearing like, uh, you know, we can only really concentrate for like 20 minute stretches at that's a time. That's insane. Why are all university lectures and lectures like oh, yeah. two hours? I had two hour lectures. I know, same. Yeah. But I wonder what would happen if you just had more lectures that were like 20 minutes. I wonder yeah. if you'd learn more. And, uh, and and that's the thing, like bite-sized. Like, I think that's where stuff like, because there's a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I can't remember what it was, but like Code Academy kind of things and like even just like uh, GCSE level kind of, you know, math and things like that, maths and things like that. Yeah. Or like, or Khan Academy, I think it was. And they just had like five-minute videos about maths, like different things in maths, you know, like averages, what are they? And that's yeah. it. And I'm think I'm sure I would learn better in those like bite-sized little chunks that I could then re you know watch and things like that as opposed to an hour lecture on something. Completely agree. They're, they're the kind of YouTube videos I love the really yeah, short ones. They're the ones I learn from. And we say this like after we've just been ranting for fifty minutes. I'm yeah, most I know. Sorry. Yeah, out. this is not a bite-sized podcast at all. <laughs> no, I think people listen to like the music at the beginning and it's like. Pfft. Just well, they're like, they're, well, they, they've got Turn it on their off. podcast. They forgot to unsubscribe, so they're like, "Oh, yeah, exactly. no, not that one again!" Quickly go. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, that is an interesting one, actually. No, yeah. I, I thought I'd bring it up. I mean, it is for me. Like, 
I think it, I think I don't because you get a lot of people who are like life hackers in quotes who really love like optimizing their life and will do things for you know whereas I kind of feel that things just kind of happen you know like I don't really believe you know like an optimizing everything to the perfect schedule is going to produce these outputs and stuff very not very scientific on it I'm more arty about it where it's just like you feel like you can do it and you know and I feel there's like a balance and equilibrium there where you know like you'll have some days where you do really good have good zen and stuff like that and good cut you know could like flow but then there'll be some days where you just can't get in there but it's okay yeah. because you can balance them out and you know over the course of a of a period you can evaluate yeah okay there was enough there you know like well i said to you this week didn't i like i was feeling really guilty like i'm not getting enough work in and um and to be honest with you that for that very reason this week i've actually set a timer and i can yeah, how's that, that been you. going actually because like because you know, that's the thing you would you felt last week you just got no work done even though you were yeah. doing the hours like but you didn't feel that you know you didn't get that feeling like there's a there's some for some reason i get it too and i'm sure yeah. a lot of people do is that feeling of i've done enough today but it's, yeah it's, it's like perfection it's unachievable like how do i get that feeling again it's exactly it's, i think don't be too you can't hard quantify it, can you I've, you can't quantify a feeling like that you but no. you can obviously if you I'd say time it, you know, it's something like yeah. a timer saying if I'm going to do X amount of hours a day. Yeah, I completely, that is the way to do it. And I've actually been surprised by actually, I have done a lot of hours, um, probably because I've accidentally left my time wrong when I've gone out running, but like, <laughs> I think, you know, well, you're a really quick runner though. So I'm worried about that, you know? <laughs> oh, thanks man. Um, but yeah, I think it is important to cut yourself some slack. And I think writing a to-do list is, does give you a sense of um satisfaction yeah because otherwise you get to the day like oh i've not done anything but actually you probably have and you just don't realize yeah breaking a task up i mean that is the whole divide and conquer isn't it where break a task up into small manageable chunks and again that's the tdd way where you're breaking up a problem into its like constituent parts that you can slowly build up you know and it's like breaking it up and then you get those results you know you'll get the green when you see a, a test passing or a test suite passing things like that you'll you'll get the, the happy feeling when you know you're able to tick something or you're able to drag it into the complete pile or under review pile or yeah. when you get to do a pull request and it's all on there and yeah but exactly. again it's not an exact science I, I you know i think absolutely we all want that we all want that and i think it hurts us that we want that feeling all the time you know i want, yeah. my, I want my i want my head to say yeah you've done enough work today feel good every day but sometimes yeah. you don't get that and you then have to think you can't overthink why you have to, yeah. you know, kind of rationalize it. I certainly think it's well, that's pretty a little bit arrogant for me to say this because I've not worked in other careers, but I certainly feel like it's a developer thing as well, especially uh, we probably feel it twice as hard as other careers. I mean, I've worked, you know, I, I did had another career before I got into development and I, I didn't feel it like I feel it with this, to be honest with you. Um, no, I mean that's interesting. I think, yeah, it's funny because obviously, if you'd have a pod, I'm sure there's other podcasts out there on other topics, and they'll be talking probably about the exact same thing and yeah. being like, you know, it's a develop, it's a whatever problem, you know, and it's a science pro- scientist problem or something. And it's like, well, you know, yeah. I think we all kind of feel it to some extent, but yeah. you know, I say we feel it obviously in our community a lot. Well, I think it's ingrained in us to to judge our kind of performance on on the output on the yeah oh, well it's quantitative effect like quantitative yeah. things something that we can actually because in quote you know if you're a computer scientist which actually i was listening to a really good dhh um david hanamir hansen he was yeah. on a co- computer science daily or computer weekly daily or <laughs> computer weekly daily that's yeah. a really really good title <laughs> uh, computer science daily or something like that was and um he was talking about like how people you know he, he did a 2010 um yeah. like keynote on computer science are you computer scientists are you a computer right you know programmer you know like we try and consider ourselves scientists but we're not really you know or or there are sciences in computing like you can quantify some things but some things aren't and it's like is it an art form then and things like that and it's really interesting i'll put that in the show notes as well yeah um but it is interesting where we we do try and get ourselves and quantify ourselves in these means and like kind of put a number to something or a a boolean yes or no but there's a lot of there's a That's lot of floating it. point in it. And in our career, we shouldn't, in our kind of industry, we shouldn't because you shouldn't just say, well, I pumped out 2,000 lines of code today. What a great achievement. Well, this is it. People, used, it to think that was, people used to think that was productivity, though. Like, yeah. I think during the 80s or 70s and 80s, like, that was a thing. Like, yeah. if you, you, know, you do your 2,000 lines of code, then yeah. you can go home kind yeah. of feeling. And it's like, wow. That's so It doesn't insane. give any sort of guarantee that it'll be a good code. It you know, really just, doesn't, does it? You know, and yeah. it's like, and there's no, you know, and it's, and it's, again, I think it's also people with their 100% test coverage. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. act 
actually mean it's that it's just fully, a pat on the back? It's isn't just it? a pat on the back. Like it's not actually a thing. Again, you're quantifying it. You're trying. You know, oh, we have this many tests. Oh, I have to write this many tests in a day. Or yeah. you know, it's it's a really strange thing. You know, I yeah. think where. People, again, we all try and quantify these things, but we, we really shouldn't. Um, and you're probably only going to end up testing things that you're kind of confident will work. And you're well, this is it, you know. We you ha- well, I mean, you know, all these paths have to be hit, so. Yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> but I think then, it, then it's it's the whole value thing, and then that's all yeah. relative, and that's where yeah. people hate it. And I, I think we all do. I know I, you know, find it sometimes where, oh, what's the value in this? Yeah. And then yeah. that's a relative question because you can't, you know, you can't really put, you know, a, a number to that. Or you yeah. could try, but it's it's a lot harder. Yeah. Anyway, but I thought I thought that's a good topic, and uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. Well, I'm going to let you be now because um, I know you got to get back to work. Oh, and I've yeah, done, we've pretty done a. We've good done hour, a decent so. shift there. We've done a whole hour. You know, yeah, obviously we can quantify shift. that and say it's a good podcast. Well done. I'm going to put it on my to do list. I'm going to take it off. Good. Okay. Nice. Brilliant. Call I'm it a day. Link it. You know, and I'm just going to put it in. That's a good lunchtime there. <laughs> All right, then, audience. Well, it's been a really great episode. Um, and, <laughs> well, yeah. you can't say that. We have to let the listeners decide that. To be honest with you. Well, that's true. Actually, I feel it's been yeah. a good one. Do I you, feel it have to. Do you yeah. feel, right, audience. Do you feel it's been a good episode? Put it in the show notes. Put, well, poll, show notes. put it. Put it in. Yeah. Put it on Twitter. Put it on Instagram. Put it on yeah. iTunes. I just think iTunes comments would be great. You know, if people want to do iTunes comments, it, I'm going to do it from other podcasts I listen to. You know, it helps other people recognize, you know, iTunes algorithm allows, you know, works out by comments and stuff that people, you know, you're more likely to get to more people's yeah. ears. So <laughs> I want to get into people's ears. That's true. Okay. Wow. That's the thing. Uh, anyway, audience, it's been a great episode. Well, I think it's been a great one. Mickey does too. I'm not going down that rabbit hole again. Um, and we will speak to you next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at 3devsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number 3, Devs and a Maybe.